0: The following audio is from Shiloh Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. More information about Shiloh Presbyterian Church is available at shilohopc.org. If you'll remain standing and turn your Bibles, Psalm 84, Psalm 84, if you're visiting with us this evening as we're about to launch our church plant, Zion, we've been thinking a bit about Songs of Zion, and this psalm certainly fits in that. Category Psalm 84. This is on page 493 if you're using the Pew Bible. But let us worship the Lord again this evening by listening carefully to the public reading of this, His Word. Psalm 84, the entire Psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow, a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen. It's Father reading God's word. Let's look to him in prayer. Father, the grass withers and the flower falls, but your word will stand forever and ever. And we pray that you would come to us again, your people, this evening, and bless us as we receive that word. Fill us again with your spirit, we pray. May our hearts be lifted up afresh. Blessed is the one who trusts in you, O Lord. Cause us to trust in our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord God, to believe and to obey all that you would teach us this evening, for we ask for this in his name. Amen, Please be seated Well, as i've been thinking about what is about to transpire next week and the week after that with the uh, the church plant it, it it called to mind it reminded me of the experience of my family back in San Diego years ago. When we visited a church, it was a church that was planted by what was our home church in San Diego for many, many years. Uh, This is a new experience for us because we were away in Africa when they actually birthed the the daughter church. But when we were finally back stateside, we had the opportunity to to visit the church— And when we, we finally visited it, it was, it was such an amazing experience because there we were. We didn't feel like visitors. We, we knew all of these people. We'd visited and we sorry we worshipped with them for years and years there were exceptions praise God there were new people that was part of the goal of planning a church many visitors but the fact that we were there with so many that we knew so well made it feel like it was something of a a homecoming so i guess as we as i think about that we can add that to one of the benefits of planning a church you know whether you go and are part of the Zion church or whether you remain here at Shiloh Either way, there will now be another congregation out there, separate from your own congregation, where you might at times be able to go and visit, and it will feel like something of a Homecoming it was wonderful what we experienced that day, but I would submit to you that what we experienced that day was just a tiny taste, something of a foretaste of what will will be the experience of all of us on that great day when we experience that marvelous homecoming of being being in the presence of our God forever. Endeavor. It won't be. It won't be that of visiting any particular church in this world. But it will. When we will at last gather together in Zion, in the, the city of God, our eternal home in glory forever and ever. That's what we long for. That's what we long for. And why is that? Because God is there, uh, and, and that's what this psalm is all about. It's a psalm about longing for home, longing for Zion because we're longing for Zion's God. How how will we face what's before us next week, the sadness, the sorrow of saying our goodbyes? Well, one big answer is by doing what this psalm calls us to do, long for our home with our God in Zion. That is the life of faith. Our message this evening is this, that the life of faith is a pilgrim life of longing for God's presence, longing for Zion, longing for home with Zion's God. As we consider our psalm this evening, I want us to note four things about this heavenly longing. This is longing for our home with our God. We're going to see that it is a Christ-centered longing it is a strengthening longing, it is a sanctifying longing, and lastly, it is a longing that will be satisfied. So, consider first, then, how this this pilgrim longing for Zion is a Christ-centered longing. The very blessing of being pilgrims who are bound for Zion, we know that it's all because of Christ what he has done, Christ the center, he's the center of everything. Brothers and, centers, brothers and sisters, always keep him the center of your everything. We, it should help us to do that, to remember that he's the, the center of all the scriptures, all that God has promised is fulfilled in him, and we see that even in this psalm, and I would suggest we see it particularly in verses 8 and 9, one commentator suggests that that these verses are kind of the the centerpiece of the psalm in terms of its structure. So right at the center, we have this prayer for God's blessing on the king. Verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. And then we have the Selah. And then verse 9, behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. It was the king who was God's anointed. The king was a shield and that the king was looked to as a protector of the people and of the nation. If you truly longed for a home with God in the presence, in God's presence, in the temple, surely you would be praying for the king. The dedication of the temple, Solomon prayed for himself. He prayed in 2 Chronicles Oh Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed. Remember your steadfast love for David, your servant. We know that the, 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 uh, the welfare of the nation was very much tied to her king. When the, fa- when the king was faithful and godly, the nation was blessed. And as Jerusalem was blessed, as Jerusalem enjoyed peace and prosperity, well, then the ministry of the temple carried on. If we look at the psalm this evening, we don't know for sure when it was written, what what exactly was the setting, but this prayer for the king might suggest that it was a pre-exilic psalm written before the exile, written at a time when Israel, or at least Judah, yet enjoyed a king on the throne. Perhaps the psalm was written at a time when the nation lived under the rule of a very godly king, a godly king whose face shined, as it were, reflecting the blessing of the Lord's face shining upon him. The prayer would certainly be a a prayer that the king would be faithful, but perhaps it's also a prayer that the Lord would bless precisely because the king has been godly and faithful, right? So the, the, the prayer might be, Lord God, please show concern for or look upon the face of your anointed, this king who has honored you and walked before you in faithfulness. Please bless your people because of him. And these, these psalms, of course, they were written not to be used only in one particular point in redemptive history, but to be used at every point in redemptive history. So they were to pray this prayer even in sad days when they were la- living under the rule of a wicked king. They were to continue praying this prayer even when they'd been conquered and driven into exile, even when there was no king ruling back Beth- Judah. Well, how could that be? How could they then pray? look on the face of your anointed? Well, we know the ultimate answer is that this this prayer, this promise, speaks to the promise of the coming king god 's anointed, the Messiah, Jesus would come as the faithful king, the king as well as the priest. Interesting that we see these psalms which focus so much on the temple, but right there they also speak about the king. Uh, They they lived in this promise that the Messiah would be a king as well as a priest. That's Jesus. Jesus, the king and the priest, as well as the prophet. He is God's anointed, and this psalm is all about him. The psalmist prays for God's anointed. Brothers and sisters, as we long for Zion, we ought always to make our longing a prayerful longing. Pray, pray, and pray Christ-centered pray. Pray what the psalmist says. Look upon the face of your anointed. Pray thanking God for that righteous and faithful king whom God has given us, Jesus the king who reigns forever and ever. Pray, pleading the merits of Jesus Christ, what God has done in him. Pray, glorying in the truth that in him, in him, we are pilgrims and we are bound for Zion. We are bound for our eternal home. As you anticipate a a sorrowful goodbye in just one week here, fix your eyes upon Christ and remember that that, that, that for us, because of Christ, every goodbye is only a temporary goodbye. But the Christian goodbye is never goodbye, goodbye. It's always until we meet again, right? Until we meet at Jesus' feet. You know, the sadness of no longer each week being together. Some of you who have Been, been part of this church for years and years and years, and you're having to say goodbye to those you've known for so many years, worshiped with for so many years. That's going to leave us with a great longing in our hearts, isn't it? We'll be encouraged by this truth as we look to Christ. That longing we feel will always flow out of a greater longing, longing for Zion, longing for Zion's God, longing for our home in God's presence forever and ever. Let it move you to pray. Every time we, we feel that sadness in our hearts, missing our brothers and sisters, pray for them. Pray Christ-centered prayer. Pray that God would, would keep them well on their pilgrim way. Pray that God would, for Jesus' sake, keep them and keep us always longing for Zion, longing for Zion's God, longing for home and pray that he would do so till we meet again, whenever that will be, the next time we see each other, but ultimately till we meet again at Jesus' feet in glory. That's the life of faith, longing for God's presence. It is always a Christ-centered longing. But secondly, it is a longing which strengthens, a strengthening longing, an empowering longing that might sound strange you know we might think about the kind of effect it has on us when we feel the absence of someone when our heart yearns for someone it kind of might might weaken us sort of zap our strength i suppose one of the the many paradoxes of the christian faith is that when i am weak then i am strong as the apostle paul wrote in second corinthians 12, 10. This longing is a strengthening longing because it is a longing in faith. It is a longing with hope. the, The psalmist anticipates the joy of being in God's presence in the temple. It fills him with strength. It strengthens him on his journey We see so clearly that this is a psalm which celebrates not only the pilgrim's destination, it really celebrates the pilgrimage. It celebrates the journey. In fact, if you look at the psalm, notice in the psalm that that three times we see that word blessed. We see it in verses 4 and verse 5 and verse 12. And so, the first time, verse 4, it refers to those who are already there at the temple. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. But then the second occurrence is verse 5, those who are yet making their pilgrimage. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. And then as the Psalm ends in verse 12, it's like they're, they're all brought together as one. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. That is all who trust in you, whether they're there in the temple or whether they're journeying to the temple, they are all blessed. But as we think about that, that first category of the blessed ones, verse four. Perhaps he's thinking about uh, the priests, the Levites who remain at the temple. They, 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 they carry out their work, their ministry in the temple. They're blessed to be there with constant access to the presence of God in the temple. And before that, note in verse three, he's even thinking about the birds. This, this idea of homegoing kind of flows out of this amazing thing. He observes that even the birds are there making a home. You know, he's, been in the temple uh, at some point and looked up and noticed wow look the the sparrows and the swallows are there and they're not there simply visiting they're actually you know building a nest up in the rafters up in the eaves of the temple and suddenly Taken by the, just overwhelmed by what a staggering, amazing truth that these little creatures are able to, to have a home there in the presence of God, to lay their young right there by the altars of the Lord of hosts. What a marvelous thing. But if that's great, how much greater, how, how much greater still the fact that the people Those who are, are blessed to be there in the presence of the Lord, in God's house, ever singing his praise, it says. Yes, the priests and Levites are already there. But again, it says in verse five, we see that, that also blessed are those yet traveling. Again, a blessed pilgrimage. It is a blessing to be on the journey to Zion. It's a blessing even though the journey is hard, even though it's often filled with sorrow and pain, even though it is a journey which takes you through the valley of Baca, as we see in verse 6. What on earth is the, the valley of Baca? It may be that Baca is the name of some otherwise unknown arid region through which uh, the, the, uh, the, the pilgrims would travel on their way to Jerusalem. Baca may be the name of a plant or a tree that grew in this valley. It seems to be a metaphor or a symbol for affliction. Baca means literally to weep. It's sometimes called the the valley of weeping or the valley of affliction. And friends, all who are bound for Zion must pass through this valley. There's no way around it. In a week, we're going, as we're weeping here, it may feel like we're dwelling in the, the valley of Baca right here at Shiloh. Well, how shall we endure? What do the pilgrims do as they they pass through that valley? Well, verse 6 tells us, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. And this is not purely metaphorical right so one, one of the ways god provides strength for his people is through literal physical water we think of the way he sustained the the, the his people in the, the the wilderness generation providing water out in the wilderness and surely even here the lord was able to provide literal rain and enable ineb- and even enable his people to find springs of water but water also can be a, a symbol for fellowship with God, and I think the idea here is that that fellowship with which the pilgrims anticipate enjoying when at last they arrive uh, at Zion, are there in the presence of God, that fellowship they're already enjoying even on the journey. Fellowship with God, God's own presence strengthens them. It says in verse 7, they go from strength to strength, from one strength to another, strengthened by God's presence, God's fellowship. In fact, look up at verse two and just note what the psalmist is doing, even as he is yet longing to be in the temple, longing to be in the presence of God, worshiping God. We see that already he's entered in to that worship. It doesn't simply say, boy, when I get there, I am going to sing for joy in the presence of God. No, he's already doing it, right? My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Dear Christian, is that true of you? Is that your experience as you think about what God has called you unto forever and ever? Are you able to enter in and do that even now, even as you journey there? God wants you to think much about how lovely is that dwelling place, your eternal home in glory with God, and to to long to be there. We're called to, to, to meditate much upon the glories of heaven, to cultivate in our hearts a longing for those eternal glories, a longing for our home in Zion. But he also wants you to see how blessed you are, even now, to be on that journey there and so to be strengthened by it. To to walk by faith is to, to look forward to those future and unseen heavenly glories and to embrace them, and by the power of God's Spirit, to be strengthened by them. Live in fellowship with God as you long for what is to come, and it will strengthen you in the here and now. Longing for Zion. It is a Christ-centered longing. It is a longing which strengthens. And then thirdly, it sanctifies. It strengthens, it sanctifies. That might, might sound like the very same thing. Obviously, to be, to be uh, sanctified means to be strengthened spiritually, but I'm thinking particularly of the strength that it uh, gives us in uh, mortifying the flesh, putting off sin by God's design. As we long for Zion, long for communion with God, we will be strengthened unto holiness. As we think about the the message of this psalm, you, uh, you, perhaps you've heard the saying, you know, that that guy or that that person is so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. Is that really true? On one level we have to say that is absolute nonsense. That certainly didn't ring true in the the experience of the psalmist. Certainly, uh, hypocrites may distort the true hope of heaven. You know, there may be those who say, hey, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I have my fire insurance. I'll go to heaven when I die, even though I'm free to live like a child of hell throughout my life in this world. Obviously, that's not the true hope of heaven. But the true, the person of true faith is absolutely heavenly-minded, and so we have to say, Christian, without sufficient heavenly-mindedness, you will be no earthly good at all. You certainly will not be able to live a pure and holy life. True purity and holiness flows out of that hope of being in heaven, seeing Christ, being with him. Aren't we told in, in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, that everyone who thus hopes, that, that is, thus has that hope of seeing Christ, purifies himself even as he is pure. And I think we see that in our psalm this evening, particularly verses 10 and 11. Psalm teaches you to, to uh, delight in God's presence, but as you delight in God's presence, you will forsake wickedness. He will say with the psalmist what he says in the the second part of verse 10 there, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness or or dwell in the tents of the wicked. And so sometimes the pleasure we may derive from sin is connected to the pleasure we derive in being accepted by sinners. Join sinners in their sin and they'll just love you for and there's something pleasing about that. I remember back when I was in high school and some of my good friends started finding a way to steal things. And, and so they were stealing and they were encouraging me to join them. And there was real temptation to join them, not only for the sake of, of getting things, but for the, the companionship I would have with my friends and, and I can... Praise God that uh, by his grace I was able to resist the temptation and even kind of influence them uh, to, to turn away from that sin. But there's something very appealing, isn't there, about dwelling in the tents of the wicked with the wicked. Be careful who your, your friends are. Uh, perhaps the particular wickedness in view in the psalm is some sort of stealing, enjoyment from ill-gotten gains as well as the companionship with, with sinners. But you think about how mar- marvelous those words are at the end of verse 10. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. He's saying, I'd, I'd rather be poor. I'd, I'd rather take the most humble position in the house of God. I'd, uh, I'd be content being a doorkeeper. I'd rather do that than have all of the, the, the possessions of this world. I'd rather have pr- uh, communion with my God than to have all of the pleasures of sin in the world. What wonderful wor- words. Christian, can you, can you say that in your life? Do you believe that to be true? Think about that what we learn from those words, a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. There's a promise, isn't it? That that, that, that communion with God is a thousand times better than all of the pleasures of anything in this world, certainly than all of the pleasures that sin has to offer. Maybe you need reminded of that this evening. Maybe you're struggling with a particular sin in your life and it just— You're finding it so pleasing, right? Uh, Deceived into thinking the sin is what will give you true and lasting pleasure and happiness. You just love it so much. You can't live without it. Friends, that's a lie. Forsake the lie and forsake the sin. Do it as by the power of God's spirit you receive what the word teaches us this evening, right? Deep into your soul the conviction expressed by the psalmist, which is this that the reward of wickedness cannot even begin to compare with the joy, the delight, the pleasure of communion with your God in his house. Friends, long, long for heaven. Again, cultivate in your heart that desire for communion with your God and glory and enjoy that communion now and you will find grace to turn away from sin in your life. You spend time with someone, you become like that person, right? So it is with God. Spend time with God. Delight to be in his presence. Spend time in his presence and you will become more like him. You'll be putting off sin. As we think ahead to the coming weeks and months at when we, when we look back on this experience of planting a church, we might ask ourselves the questions. What do we, what would we like? What would we be praying now that we'll look back and remember and think about? We learned from this experience. What will we remember when we look back? You know, when we have that homecoming experience of visiting each other's church? or getting together for a church picnic. I'll tell you one thing we won't be looking back and saying is, boy, I sure miss those times when we were, you know, off in the corner gossiping. sure miss those times when I was sitting there and living in jealousy and envy of that one person. Such fond memories of those quarrels we had. You know, we just couldn't disagree over this and that, and I couldn't stand that person. Now we'll look back on those things with, with a measure of shame, the Apostle Paul calls the, those things of which we are now ashamed. Let's pray and believe that we'll look back at this time and say, oh, it was hard, but look at the way God used this time to grow us in holiness, to, to, to show us the awfulness of our sin and, and move us to pursue righteousness and holiness what a joy, what a blessing that will be. As we live our lives longing for Zion, surely, surely that will be our experience more and more godliness. And oh, how satisfying, how satisfying that will be. That's our last point. Very briefly this evening, I'm going to close with this last thing about this longing for Zion. It satisfies. Note that well. Our psalmist begins with a longing. My soul is longing. And How does it end? He's blessed. He's blessed. Oh, oh, Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Why is it that he's blessed? Because God has given him the very thing that he has longed for, communion with God. His soul is, is satisfied at home in the presence of his God. God has not left him empty be encouraged by that way but by, by that as we as we uh say our goodbyes as we go our separate ways you know in a, in a few weeks or just a couple short weeks now we're going to look around the sanctuary and it's going to feel a bit empty even those who go go on to zion you know the weeks may come and the enthusiasm for a new work may wear off a bit you may even find that some who are enthusiastic members of the core group end up moving on. We, we, we don't pray that that happens, but sometimes that happens. That, that is life in God's kingdom. But God will not leave us empty. What does the psalm say? Verse 11, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing, certainly not the greatest thing, satisfaction in his own presence, God himself, what does it say in verse 7? They go from strength to strength, and what happens? Each one appears before God in Zion. Just think about that. Each one, everyone who in true faith longs for God's presence in Zion will at last appear before God in Zion each one will be satisfied. God himself will be satisfied. God's, God's wonderful saving purposes and plans, they will not be frustrated. God will not be left unsatisfied. His purposes will be fulfilled. None shall be lost. What did Jesus say? All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day to stand there before the throne of God raised up in glory on the last day. How satisfying is that? Dear brothers, as you say your sad goodbyes, and indeed in all of our days, do so always longing for Zion longing for Zion with a Christ-centered longing, And, and, and therefore be strengthened, be strong in your longing, and be holy, put off your sin, and in the end you will not be unsatisfied. You will be satisfied on that day when we gather together to find perfect joy and satisfaction together forever at our home with God in Zion. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would use your word this evening to build us up in that blessed hope. We, we do long for you, Lord God, but we confess that we do not long for you as we ought to, and so we need you to come to us by your Holy Spirit, filling us with your, uh, with your word, changing our hearts, changing us, sanctifying us by your truth. Your word is truth. So use it, we pray, Lord God, to make us more like Christ. In his name we do pray. Amen.